everybody. Welcome. You have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. <laughs> yeah, and Devin's here. Um, just got to say real quick before we get started. Uh, welcome to the show. This is your first actual co-hosting show. It is. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're happy to have you. So um, It was a pain putting the training wheels on this morning. Yeah, there's a lot of hazing. Yeah. <laughs> so... eh, you'll heal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so today um, we are talking about The Godfather, a movie that I have never seen. And it was one of the movies that started this whole thing off to begin with because mm-hmm. uh, this is one of those movies where you say you haven't seen it and everyone's like, what? You've never seen The Godfather? What the hell is wrong with you? I was like, I've seen You've Got Mail and they referenced The Godfather. Does that get me any credit? Like, take him to the mattresses. What day is it? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've never seen The Godfather, but you both had. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. Devin, I'm going to start with you. When did you first see The Godfather? Oh, man. So I went through a really big Godfather period in high school, um, mostly because there was a video game of The Godfather, which led me to watch the movie and then read the book. So I was all immersed in it for a very long time. I I think I remember you reading the book in high school because we went to high school together. We did. Yeah, Um, I brought it everywhere. I was so proud of reading that stupid book. Um. What so I remember the video game coming out, but mm-hmm. um, I think I remember you reading the book, but I don't rem- remember you being that much into The Godfather. Besides that, did you have was your uh, ringtone the theme song at one point? Was the theme song for I do remember that for a long time. Um, I had all three of the movies, I watched all of them pretty religiously, and it like fit with like my grandmother's version of her cultural identity because. She's like the kind of Italian that only pronounces pasta names funny. So she's like, hey, we're having spaghetti. And I'm like, these are my people on screen. I love this. So I love The Godfather for a very long time. All right. Um, we're going to get into the uh, cultural aspect of this later because I, I have thoughts as well. Uh, Ryan, how about you? When was the first time you saw The Godfather? Honestly, it was high school. Just like okay. how Devin said. Because, I mean, granted, I didn't know it was a book at first. Uh, some TV network in the mid '90s, the in the late '90s, decided to like sh- like broadcast it in like a two part like w- you know it's like the first half of it you know on like a Monday night and, and like the second half of it on a Tuesday, and the party scene took forever at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, on network television because it was like 15 minutes of party, three minutes of commercials. 15 minutes of party, three minutes of commercials. And so I thought it was, at first, I thought it was just a film based around like a whole wedding day. Like, that's what I seriously thought. And then um, I eventually sat through it all and it got me. And I'm like, this is really done well. And it was before I realized that I had a thing for like enjoying like the art aspect of movies it was Mm -hmm. before i realized that i actually did that and i got my dad to rent it from 48 hours video which was the competitor to blockbuster in our town um and i sat down and watched the whole thing and like it's not one of my top five favorite movies but it's within my top 10 um it's one of those films that i just like i can't stop watching Okay. When it turns on, I can't stop watching it. Now, it's been a while since I've seen it. Like, I want to say probably college. Just because it's kind of like Scarface. Yeah. Like, you've got to commit to watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, you need uninterrupted time to watch this movie. And so that's why I had to watch it again last night. Because it's been a long time yeah. since I've seen it. Did you it. get through the whole thing last night? Yeah, I did. Okay. Oh, but but like, like I said, uninterrupted time. Like, I was yeah. dead tired. But it didn't matter. Like as soon as that movie turned on, like sobered right up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from being tired. From being um, <laughs> so I, I have a little bit of a confession to make. I have seen part of this before, and, the, and part of the re- and the, that's part of the reason we're doing it th- this episode this week. Um, every year on Thanksgiving, AMC does a Godfather marathon, and a few years ago, we were at my wife's grandparents' house for Thanksgiving dinner and the Godfather was on and I'd never seen it. So I'm watching it 
And I, I don't really know what's going on because it's about a third of the way, th- or no, like two thirds of the way through. So it's right around the, it's right around where, um, where Sonny dies. And I didn't know that. Um, oh. So we're watching it and it's the scene before, like uh, it's the sister and her husband fighting. And then uh, my wife's grandfather comes in the room and they show um, Sonny. He's like, oh, he dies in the next scene. I was like, what? <laughs> so now it's become a joke that um, I've never, I had never seen The Godfather, but it was spoiled for me by my wife's grandfather because he's just like, oh yeah, he dies in the next scene. This is this is a good part. I'm like, okay, I, thanks for that. I'd never pieces. seen this. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, it, it, so it, when I was watching it last night, I was like, oh, I've seen this part. Oh. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I remembered what happened. I was like, no. Um, I think your wife's grandfather should be like a service that they have at movie theaters where you just hire him for people you hate to just walk in and be like, he dies later. And then walk out. That's what I was dead the whole time. <laughs> I actually did that to somebody by accident. Just anybody on their cell phone. Oh, right. I actually anyone on the cell phone, that's what he has to do. Accident. It was horrible. I felt so bad. What movie? Uh, the Watchman. Did you spoil the blue dick? What, what no, I no, 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 no. I spoiled the plot because the thing. I mean, the thing's a comic book. Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows that. I've mm-hmm. read. I've. I've. I've read the comic book multiple times mm-hmm. before the movie even came out. Yeah. And so there was this guy who was like super, like really, 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 really wanting to see it. Like he honestly r- 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 reminds me of like a combination of you two. Um, great. great guy, great guy. But <laughs> he said that he was going to read the comic book before the movie came out. Well, it was like a week before the movie came out, and he told me he was going to read it like two months before. So I had thought he had read the comic book. So I went up to him and I was like, "So, wh- what did you think of uh, the? Uh, what did you think of Doctor Manhattan being the one behind everything?" And he just oh, looked no. at me and said, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like his eyes got big. He's like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, no, th- 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 um, Doctor Manhattan plans the entire thing to get people to stop fighting with each other. Like, they're you know, all, all the explosions go off because of that." And he just looks at me and goes, "That's what? not what happens in the movie, though, right?" Doctor Manhattan. I, hold on, is hold on. I've never guy. read. I've never read The Watchmen. I think it's going to be one that. I'm no, 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 no. The movie and the comic book are like this. Okay. No, of course, I I do this on an audio podcast. I crossed my fingers. It's been a while. The comic book and the comic book and the movie are almost scene for scene exactly to each other. I guess I I haven't seen the movie in a while. That's not how I interpreted the ending, but and it was at work and he about threw his clipboard at me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He was so mad. So, I mean, and, uh, John, I apologize even to this day. I still feel bad about that. And that was like 13 years ago. So if you're listening to this, John, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let's go on with the podcast. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, my phone. I got a phone call. I don't know why. Um, no. Okay. So um, let's start with the beginning of the movie. Let's talk about the wedding scene. Yes. Um, Devin, you mentioned that you identified with that culture a little bit. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, in like uh, the worst ways. <laughs> how, how so? Like what, what was it that you identified with? I mean, nothing specific to the wedding scene, but in the people like the Corleone family traded in olive oil. That's their like, that's their front <laughs> business is they're an olive oil company. Yeah. And like, my family was the kind of person that's like, oh, we just made pasta. Here's all of the olive oil on top. And it just like it, oh, it really like just justified everything that my family was doing up until that point in a huge way. And I love that. And I'm like, you know what? In a few years, we could be like that family. We just need to try a little harder. And like, I just saw it as like this reflection of my future. And it, I mean, I obviously wasn't, but I just, it was those parts where they like, they cared about family way more than my family did. They cared about pasta about the same level that I did. Um, they cared about jazz music just about the same that I did. I was like, yeah, these are these are my people. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I definitely identified with the uh, 
the family aspect of it as well. Because mm-hmm. my uh, on my mother's side, um, my mom's maiden name is Bon Jovi, so that's Italian, uh, not French, Italian, um, <laughs> and it's spelled different than the band. But uh, her uh, further back in that family, the name was Cardone. So like mm-hmm. I remember like growing up going to events with the Cardones and have like it was pretty much people picked out of that wedding scene and like all the different food. My my grandfather's an Italian chef, so we were always eating different kinds of pasta and sauce. And um, th- when he's making the sauce in the movie, I was like, "Hey, that's how I make my sauce. Like, that's how <laughs> I make my pasta sauce. The the the." the, the the olive oil and the garlic and then the yes. tomato paste. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that's exactly how I do it. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of like, Oh yeah, this, this kind of reminds me of family. I mean, I don't think my family's in the mafia. <laughs> yes. Um, um, I think there's connections there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe not through that side of the family, but I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, if he okay. says any more, we're going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, said too much. Oh my god! <laughs> um, is getting yeah. married to Alan. Is your dad gonna do the whole? You come to me on this the day of my daughter's wedding, and like I, I don't know. I, I it's gonna be weird. Um, I'm I'm still surprised that that's happening. Like I still haven't processed it completely. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for them. I can't wait for that. They've been together for eleven years now, going on eleven years, which yeah, is crazy. Here's the chart. Um. Okay, so. so the cultural aspect for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Oh, I wasn't going to ask you that question. Well, my last name <laughs> is Ryan Italians only, Ryan. Is Arno my is... last name is Arno. That's Italian. The River Arno flows through Italy. I did not know that. And it's spelled A-R-N-O. I know how to spell your name. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Here we go. Now, here is where this curveball gets thrown with my family. I am not Italian. I have an Italian last name, a super Italian last name, and I'm not Italian. Yeah, obviously, because I'm extremely (laughs) Polish and German looking. No, I I was just comment. I wasn't even commenting on that. You look like if Kevin Smith was from Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) So... Devin's laughing because we're doing this on video for him, and I'm here wearing my red Blackhawks jersey with the hat that's got the same logo on it. He's so, decked out. So we've got... so Okay, so my ancestry goes into French, German, Polish, and Northern Europe. So even though I've got uh, this last name of A-R-N-O, we think it was short for Arnold at some point. Um, and that it was shortened. Um, there's a whole family lore that I'm not going to get into, but it has to do with Benedict Arnold. Um, Interesting. So, anyway, uh, but when it comes to this movie, what I think what a lot of people gravitate to is the fact that even though, yes, it's a mafia, and yes, they do horrible things, but you've got this family connection with everybody. Yeah. You've got like the family atriarch, which is the, the, the Don, and then you have all these different people. You've got the guy that everybody respects but doesn't really want to deal with uh, um, uh, is with the family and Mike and Michael. And then you've got mm-hmm. Sonny, who is the son that wants to follow in the father's footsteps. I mean, you've got a classic, you know, family structure here uh, with a lot of drama inside the family itself. And then you have close family friends with Tom, their lawyer. And with the wedding scene, I mean, if you take any... And when I say ethnic, I'm talking ethnic for the 40s, not the 70s when this movie was released and not for now. Like what was considered um, ethnic back then was, you know, if you're from Italy and you looked Italian, you were in ethnic, like (laughs) that was considered to be a minority almost. And then you've got people from like Scotland and Ireland and like different, you know, everybody kind of was still in their own cultures. It was just Americanizing. And I think that's why a lot of people like this film, because they could see... I mean, you could be a Russian-American and see yourself in this movie. Yeah. It's true. And I think that's why so many people love this movie, is because they can see themselves in it. 
You touched on something that I, I wanted to just address quick. Uh, you talked about Sonny wanting to be the like follow in his father's yeah. footsteps. I think it's just very poetic that uh, James Kahn's son Scott Kahn has been like trying to pursue acting just uh, like his father did. Like he's mm-hmm. in the Ocean's movies, he's on Hawaii Five O. I just think that's oddly poetic. It is. Uh, Absolutely. It is. Not to bash Hawaii Five O, but I'm because I've never seen it, but it's Hawaii Five O, so I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because seriously, um, how much trouble yeah. can cops find in Hawaii? <laughs> so I also had a realization before I watched this yesterday that I don't think I've ever seen anything that Marlon Brando was in that's not Superman. No, you don't. I think I'm the same way. Hmm? I think that's, no, I think I'm exactly the same. I think I think uh, you're right because. I've seen Superman the movie. I've seen Superman Returns because he's in that. Um, we actually saw that in IMAX. Remember that? Did see that in IMAX? It was nice. Back when that. 3D IMAX was crap in oh, 2006. That was like five, was like six years before uh, before Avatar. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Man. God, I I liked that movie at the time, but looking back, there's it was great. It's it's. Uh, no, but, no. Speaking uh, of Marlon Brando, uh, well, he won Best on. Actor. And then I've seen. Um, you're you're jumping ahead. I don't care. I don't <laughs> um, care. Uh, and then he's in Superman Two: The Donner Cut. So he's in the Donner Cut. Yeah, he's in the Donner Cut. They could they put him back into Superman Two because nice. Superman Two was a whole thing where they didn't want to pay him anymore, so they just cut him out completely and replaced him with Superman's mom. Weird. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, if you ever see, we will we'll have to add the Donner Cut of Superman Two to the list at some point. Yeah, because it's definitely worth checking out. But um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen anything else he was in. And uh, so, what'd you I, think? I, I liked it. Like, it, I felt like the the mouthpiece thing was weird. Like, it was a little distracting to me. Like, just the whole I got cotton in my mouth, so I'm gonna <laughs> talk talk a little bit weird. And like his cheek was like, all puffed out. It looked like he was punched in the face. Uh, it was just it was just weird, but. It it worked. It was just odd because I, I picked up on it like that. That looks weird. Well, I mean, at, at first it looks weird, but then as the movie goes on, it's like, oh, that's just he just it's yeah. fine. It doesn't become an issue for me until right before he dies. Like yeah. w- w- it's like when he gets old after he's recovered from the surgeries mm-hmm. and after the meeting with the families. When he starts to age, and uh, uh, and and after Michael takes over the family, like during that stage, like that's mm-hmm. when the whole puffy cheek, like sp- odd speech, becomes dist- like distracting for me, and not in a good way. Like it just it doesn't it stands out more than it should. I feel for me anyway. Honestly, so. I this was the first thing I've seen Marlon Brando in. I didn't know that that wasn't what he looked like and wasn't <laughs> how he talked like. Oh, really? I think he's just like Sylvester Stallone, and that's just how he like looks and talks outside of acting. And then he just <laughs> someone just brought him on set, dressed him up in a suit, and just told him to talk. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. He I he, love the honesty. He definitely has a, a distinctive voice that, but he's doing like an accent here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I, my my impression of Marlon Brando is just saying the, saying Krypton wrong. Is like Krypton. <laughs> like the um, Good. that's about it um but no i really liked him in this and he's the godfather like the movie is uh, it's not like it, one of the things i read online about this movie is that um pacino didn't go to the oscars that year because brando was nominated for lead actor mm-hmm. and he only got supporting oh uh. And he was like, oh, I have more screen time in this. And it's like the Godfather, like he, like Brando is the Godfather in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of it, Michael's become the Godfather or mm-hmm. the, the, the head of the family. Um, it, so it's not really, uh, what is it, Vito? It's not really his story, it's Michael's story. Right. Because so, right. I mean, you um, see him even from like in the wedding scene, where he's like, "I don't want to be like my family; they're mm-hmm. thugs." To being the thing he said he didn't want to be by yeah. the end. Of- yeah, and this the movie does a really great job of showing you, showing him 
slip more and more into the family life. Like mm. it's a great like I I want to watch too just to see where this guy goes. But like you see him at the wedding, he's like I don't want anything to do with this. And then his dad gets shot, and then that's all like oh I'm gonna go kill some motherfuckers. Yeah, so yeah. um, like it's just really good. To, but I I definitely think that and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but. I definitely think this is more like the Godfather in the title is probably more Michael than it is Vito. It is. See, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to me, this movie is the character development of Michael. Okay. Not, the, not you know the not the Don, not Marlon Brando. Like this movie isn't about him. It's about his son turning into who he was supposed to be. Yeah. In my mind. And I love how, if you're paying attention to the movie, you can see the exact moments where he starts to slip. His dad gets shot. Then, for him, it's he doesn't care about the whole family structure. He doesn't care about honor for the family. He just wants to get revenge for his dad. It's personal. It's not business. He, he, he talks to make him think that it's business and not personal, but it's personal. That's why. It's not until his first wife gets blown up in the car that, I mean, because, because, because here, he spends time in Sicily, and he's got the, he goes from having just a normal, you know, a normal stride in his walk, a normal, you know, look on his face. When they show him in Sicily after being there for, what, like a year? I think it was yeah. when he's walking on the uh, um, uh, and, and he's walking across the countryside. He's got that swagger that he didn't have before. And it's because he's in hiding and it's because he's finally realizing and accepting the fact I just killed two guys and I'm in hiding in a different country. Like that does something to you. Yeah. He he um, he talks to the dawn of the family over in Sicily and he tells him that he's not getting back to the States anytime soon. And that goes from, and that kind of cements like, okay, fine, I'm going to be living here for forever now. He finds a girl that he likes. He marries her. He wouldn't have, to me, he wouldn't have done that if he didn't think he'd be coming back. Yeah. I think he thought that he was going, that character thought that he was going to be staying in Sicily for, who knows, maybe 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. probably. And then she dies. And then that's when the flip in his head gets switched. Because after that point, even if Sonny lived, he was taking over the family. Nothing was getting in his way. Because he just saw his wife get blown up after his dad getting shot. So when he gets back, to me, regardless of what happens to Sonny, Michael's Michael's dawn of the family Mm -hmm. once his first wife gets blown up. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I mean that's just an awesome shot where what? he like sees his dad in the hospital. Oh, yeah. And literally half of his face look in, and like this half of his face is looking in at his dad, and this half is obscured. And that's like the point where he's like, you know, it, it's it's symbolism. It's, yeah. I'm yeah. half in this mob life, and I'm half in my not mob life. I need to start making a decision. And then he walks through the door, this half of his face, obviously. And, Something, something podcast, not visual media. You can't see this, but yeah. the one with his face um, is obs- you know, that's not obscured by the door walks in, and that's him choosing this life now. And then, even at the very end, where he closes the door on his wife Kate, he's now obscuring her completely from his mafia side of his yeah. life. Yeah, so it's just like it's that really cool like door symbolism that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there. You brought up the hospital scene, and there, there's something in there I wanted to bring up uh, when they're moving. Uh, Brando to hide him. Mm-hmm. They go. Th- they go take the bed through the doorway, and you just see Brando's arm go up. Like I don't know why. Like I think they maybe hit him, but I just saw his arm. Go, like, I thought he was in a coma. Like <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, dude, I was thinking because I recently just bought the film on Blu-ray, so, yeah. so 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 I could watch it again, and I had noticed that this time watching it. And prior to his arm going up, I'm thinking to myself, that's not going to fit. That bed's not going to fit in that doorway. Like, there's no, like, <laughs> how how is this going to work? And then you can see his arm at the edge of the bed, and then it pops up. I th- I think they pinched a finger or something. I think so. <laughs> like, no. like, that bed was just wide enough to fit through that doorway. <laughs> um, so speaking of the, the hospital beds, I yeah. guess when they bring Vito home, 
Yeah. Just to, to mess with everyone, Brando put a bunch of weights underneath the bed <laughs> just to make it heavier for whoever was carrying it. <laughs> I love that. There's a lot of stuff like that in this movie. Yeah. Brando I, yeah. didn't really, like, this wasn't peak Brando because he had to read cue cards. I heard about that. I didn't know if that was true. Um, yeah, he uh, did cue cards. Um, he was, like, pranking people. Mm-hmm. Like, this is 70s Brando, so it's not like he's the young hot throb that he was and, like, just yelling, like, yelling Stella at the bottom of a alley, like, down in an alley. Oh. Um, <laughs> Another thing that's interesting about this, because because of how people saw Marlon Brando at this time, the guy, I forget his name, Tussie, Tully, the, 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 the guy that winds up sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him. The, the, okay. So he's the one during the wedding that was sitting outside repeating his lines to himself of what he was going to tell the Don. Mm-hmm. I have seen more documentaries on The Godfather than I have actually seen The Godfather. Um, he was, that actor was actually so nervous that they, in that first scene where they show him sitting on the bench in front of the house repeating the lines, the party was like, they just told people have fun and they filmed around them having fun. They didn't do like, they didn't ask people to come back into a scene for a reshoot. They didn't do any of that. People just enjoyed themselves. Mm -hmm. They accidentally caught that actor repeating his lines to himself because he was so nervous having to perform in front of Marlon Brando that he was repeating his lines. And then when they actually filmed the scene, he was so nervous he couldn't contain himself that he had to write his lines down and he was stuttering. So they wrote the character and they wrote that whole back and forth between Tom and the Don about... um, about about how he wanted to see the Don because he wasn't, because he was so, you know, like shocked to get an invite to the wedding. He didn't think that he meant that much to him. So they put that in there to make it appear that he's just this muscle that got an invite to a wedding that he wasn't expecting to. But that actor was so nervous to perform in front of Marlon Brando that he couldn't keep himself together. That's why in the next scene... There's that extra long face shot of him just like looking old tough in front of the camera while while Milo and Brando's talking to him. And then yeah. and then of course they do the over the shoulder shot where yeah. it's like a dark outline and it's Marlon Brando. That's a different actor in that scene. They had oh, to uh, film that separately. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm just saying, random knowledge that I picked up from one of the documentaries that I saw. Like I just think that that's like this movie is so it has it has, it has these crazy things in it that I love it so much. It also has Baby Al Pacino. Baby Al Pacino. I think this is the youngest we've seen Al Pacino on this podcast. Because this was... Was this before or after Dog Day Afternoon? I think it was... What year was Dog Day? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was 74, 73. Okay, so this was 72. This was 72. Yeah. So. Before. And his... and. Speaking of Dog Day Afternoon, the other guy who is in uh, um, uh, uh, Dog Day Afternoon plays one of his Sonny's older brothers. Okay. Uh, um, plays one of Michael's older brothers. Okay. The one that gets sent to Las Vegas. Okay. The one that he tells, "Don't you ever take you know a side against the family again." That's his counterpart in Dog Day Afternoon. Okay. Um, yeah, Dog Day was seventy five. So. Yeah. But yeah, Al Pacino is like very. Um, not Al Pacino today, like not like, like <laughs> just very subdued, uh, very um, controlled, um, very human. Like I think now it's just more of an exaggeration. Are you more of a caricature? Yeah. Um, so you said this is the youngest you've seen him, though. Yes. Um, I almost didn't know it was Al Pacino when I first watched it because I'm used to him being over the top and super dramatic, and this guy was just. He was playing it very straight, and it was very strange for me to see him like that. Yeah, um, it is strange because even in Dog Day Afternoon, it's it's different. Like it's not. I think the the consensus consensus the I think the majority of people think Pacino became the Pacino we know now and like Devil's Advocate instead of was the that woman. Scarface? 
that was post Scarface. Um, gotcha. That was like in the nineties, he became the Al Pacino that is pretty much just oceans 13 Al Pacino. Like that's <laughs> like you want, you want peak Al Pacino at his Al Pacino E-ness. Uh, it's oceans 13. Um, another person I didn't, I, you talk about not recognizing him. I didn't recognize Robert Duvall because I, I've only ever seen him old. I don't he, know if I recognize he, he's he's Tom. He's the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had no idea. After I think yeah. I I know who that is. I should know who that is. Who is it? I looked on IMDb. It's like oh, that's Robert Duvall. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, yeah, because he's one of those guys that I've only ever seen in in newer stuff. Um, and looking at his IMDb, it hasn't been much because I haven't seen a lot of these. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just it's weird, like. If you look at the cast, like 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 the guards, the muscle, like there's a lot of people in this film that were actors. And granted, because they wanted to fill as many, uh, 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 they wanted to fill as many Italian-looking uh, characters as possible. There's a right. lot of people in this movie and in Godfather Two that went on to have their own like like co-starring or starring mobster movies because you know, the Godfather took that genre and just like put a, like stick a dynamite under it yeah, and it, it exploded. And then you've got all these other movies that came out after it that didn't do so well. And maybe did, yeah. you know, you know, that, you know, that made the money, but didn't get like the like critical acclaim that the Godfather did. But there's a lot of people in this movie that played secondary roles that got their own like movies for the mob because of their experience on this one. Yeah, it's really cool to see. It really is. Um, now, I'm not huge into gangster movies, but the one that I never watched this in film school. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Never watched The Godfather in film school, but what we did watch was Goodfellas. Goodfellas is like the modern. Godfather. I think the biggest thing that separates the Godfather and Goodfellas is the soundtrack, because there's not much of a soundtrack to the Godfather. It's one. It's, it's, song. The, it's, it's, one. The, it's the score. And even that is only in spots like that. The right. long shots of him walking in Sicily, you get the score there, you get the mm-hmm. score at the beginning, you get it at the end, but like in there, you don't have like a, a whole score through it. Like not every scene in this has a, has music behind it. But right. you look at something like Goodfellas, you've got like, not, I, I'm, I say pop hits, but like um, old, like oldies, like are playing throughout, like the yeah. whole thing. You've got um, low, uh, you've got all the, these different songs, like that I identify with Goodfellas, and you've got like that that song that plays during the long. Uh, but you, you get what I'm saying. They yeah. they have all the. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I didn't have my coffee this morning, um, oh. but I had my tricks though. That's more important, honestly. And they're shaped like fruit again. It's fantastic. They weren't shaped like fruit for a while? No, they were shaped like uh, little balls. Yeah, balls. All right, so new podcast is You Gotta Eat This. Yes. We'll just do many episodes of You Have to Eat This. Oh, hell yeah. Um, But... Uh, what was I saying? But yeah, the biggest difference... like Story-wise, it's pretty much the same thing. You see this character progress into more and more into the life mm-hmm. um and goodfellas is a little bit henry hill is a little bit more like i want this life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it the goodfellas covers a longer period of time but the godfather is more of a like i don't want this and it's just him getting pulled back in like pulled in so you don't think that in any point michael really wants it until about the halfway mark I I th- I don't think he wants to admit he wants it. I mm-hmm. think he gets in so deep that he does. Like mm-hmm. cert- like yeah. once he once his wife dies, he goes back and then he's with Diane Keaton. I I don't think that's the life he wanted. I think he just want. I think he wanted to stay in Sicily because I think once he goes there, he mm-hmm. wants that life. He doesn't want to go back to America. He wants to stay there with his wife and. Sure. I, I don't like if his wife lives, I don't see him coming back to America at all. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. I think he stays there 
lives happily ever after in Italy, mm-hmm. but she dies and then he gets brought back and his brother dies before that. So it's just like, he's kind of obligated to take over. Like he doesn't really have a choice now. See, and yeah, I mean, cause if we're like, if, okay, no, 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 you, you go. No, it's like, if we're, what if, if, if we're, what ifing this movie, I mean, what would have happened if Sonny didn't die, but he still felt compelled to come back because Sonny was trying to be the boss of everything. And he was the brother that actually wanted it like from day one. Like he was the one that was all gung ho about the position, and Michael was kind yeah. of a wishy washy for a while kind of person. Yeah. Like, would it have been a very different movie if Sonny didn't die? Well, that's where I. It's okay. So, one of my like things that I I like to take life lessons from movies, mm-hmm. and they can come from random places. One of my favorite like not epiphanies, but kind of like life lessons is that the person who's best meant for something, especially Mm. something that is dangerous, has a lot of moral implications is the person who doesn't want to do it. Is the person that can look at that job and go, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong. That's the person you want doing it. To me, that's what this movie shows. Sonny wants that position, wants Mm -hmm. that job. Now, I'm not going to get into blood and all of that, so... I'm not going to do that. But Sonny, being the brother that wants the job, he wants it, he wants it bad. He snaps. He has, he snaps a lot. He's got a high temper. You know, like the, the Don and Tom mm. talked. They reasoned. They discussed. They respected each other. Mm-hmm. Sonny and Tom yelled at each other because yeah. they couldn't meet halfway. Sonny yeah. was a hothead. He wanted to control everything. He cared about respect, and that, um, and that was it. And and I think they showed his character flaws from the very beginning when he was doing the one the, the one bridesmaid at the wedding. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? How much into the so? I've read the book in one and they kind of like are the same. How much did they get into that relationship in the movie? Is it not much? In the movie, it's they show him like doing her in the bedroom at the house, and then mm-hmm. they show him walking out of her apartment after he becomes like head of the family, and she's just kind of standing there, like looking lust, you know, kind of l- looking at him lustfully. But the thing is that he 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 wants it too bad, and that's what gets him yeah. screwed over. Michael, I don't. To me, it's one of those things where his. I don't think he ever, even at the end, I don't think he really wants the position. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it kind of just happens. I disagree. I disagree completely. I think after he comes back to America and his brother's dead, his wife's dead, he wants it. Like he, he's there, he's all in because you have that great baptism scene where the priest is asking him the questions and then that's intercut with like, uh, all the murders, like mm-hmm. uh, who the, who are they murdering? The other the other crime all families, yeah, the other heads of the family. Yeah. yeah, so like you have that intercut, and I thought that was just a great like great go, growing up Catholic. Like baptism is like the mm-hmm. the start of life, so you have yeah. like the start of life, and then all this death, yeah, like, intercut together. And I thought which, it was just which I took that as him still struggling with himself. I didn't I, at that I, point. He's com- completely a, like all in. And he's just accepted it now. Like, that's who he is. Yeah, I mean, I felt like symbolically he was becoming the godfather in two ways. A literal godfather and then the godfather of, yeah, this, yeah. of this mafia. And it was like, it all happened all at once. Yeah. So I hope when I become a godfather that, because I'm going to, supposedly. Um, oh, okay. Um, but we just haven't had the baptism yet. <laughs> I, um, so uh, hopefully I, I don't have anybody hit that day. But Have we'll you guys see. seen the modern family recreation of that scene? Probably, but I didn't get it because I'd never seen the movie before. It's at least worth rewatching now that you've seen the movie because it's really funny because like all these like little petty things happen during the during the baptism. It's so funny. It's worth okay. watching. Mm-hmm. Is it Lily's baptism? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah, I have to check that out. Now, what did you think of one of my favorite scenes of this movie? is when he tells his wife that this one time I'm going to let you ask about my affairs. Yeah. And yeah. then 
I love and see and this is where I feel like at the baptism scene. Now, later in Godfather 2, completely agree with you about him like wanting the life and just being like this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um but it that scene to me is still where he's still conflicted because it takes him she 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 asks him is it true? Did you know mm-hmm. is it true? And he doesn't go no off the bat. He hesitates for like it feels like four seconds. And then eventually he says no. And I really feel like they did that purposefully to show that the character himself there was a there was an there was a inner dialogue there in his head where he was tossing around the idea of saying yes. And that to me shows that he wasn't fully 100%, maybe 98%. I think you can still be 100% into it and still hesitate in that moment because that's him well, protecting his wife. Because he already yeah. lost a wife. Like, yeah, it's true. him protecting her from knowing anything. He could have also been thinking about the death of his first wife, too. Yeah. He may not have been tossing around the idea of saying yes. He might have been thinking yeah. about seeing his wife. Die. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen The Godfather Part 2. I'm, I know it's part, part, part prequel, part sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm assuming it takes place, like the, the Michael stuff takes place after this. And yeah. if you say he's 100% into the life there at the end of this movie, because the scene you're talking about is the last scene. Oh, yeah, I know. Like he's got to be 100% there, too. Yeah. Right? Well, I do, mean, do you get where way, I'm coming from? I do. It's just you've got this character development of a guy who just came back from World War II and yeah. he wants, I mean, granted, okay, so they show him as as fully opposite opposed to his family as they could for 1947. He's showing up to a wedding where the FBI is writing down license plate <laughs> numbers in front of the house for crying yeah. out loud. And then you've got, he shows up in military garb. Yeah. Wait for the sirens. Yeah, wait for the... Evidently, the town's burning down. Alan, Alan Damn it, Devin. lives in the safest place in town, right next to the fire department. Okay, anyway. Okay, continue. Um, You've got... Oh, God damn it, where was I? World War II. World, World War II. He comes back from World War II, and he looks... He is opposed to the family as possible. Everybody else is wearing suits. You've got goons all over the place. He comes in wearing his military garb. And he's with a pale-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman who stands out like a sore thumb amongst all of the other women that are there. And and to top that, they're all dressed kind of like modestly, like they're not wearing flashy colors, everything's kind of dull. And there she is wearing a red dress and a hat. And he's, he's like, you know, this isn't me, this isn't me. And then he goes through the movie slipping, like you said, it starts at the hospital. And then he gets uh, uh, he gets to the revenge for his father. He ends up in Sicily. He sees his first wife get blown up. He comes back. He uh, uh, he comes back and sees her and says that you know that he's you know he's in the family. He's been running things for a year. And all this other stuff. To me, it's it's one of those things where it's like you can that, and he keeps on talking about how he's trying to make the family legit Mm -hmm. and he even says that to members of the family that know what's going on you know like he knows all of this and i don't take him getting his uh, brother-in-law killed as him being fully in it either because to me that still shows i mean Sonny was going to go off and kill him yeah so to me i mean it's i mean what if you found out your sister was getting beaten that bad? I mean, you would want to do something about it. Yeah, anybody would. So that's why I don't take his, you know, him uh, killing that character off at the end as him being fully in it. As to why I don't see at the very end when he says, "I'll let you ask about my affairs this one time." I mean, he's like one step to being fully committed, but by the end of the movie, I don't feel like he's 100% just yet. Like, the door closed right right before it hit 100. <laughs> like, Devin, what do you think of this whole thing? Do you think he's there? I think he's there. I definitely think he's there because I think that pause wasn't as... 
the pause at the end, I think, is a big deal because it comes right before he closes the door. And yeah. I think one of the big dichotomies in this film is the family, and I'm air quoting for people who can't see me, uh, versus the family, so his real family. And Kate is his real Kate, Kay, whatever his wife Kay. is his real Diane family. Keaton. Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton is his is his real wife. He is his literal or she is his literal family. Um, and I think that that pause in the end is him literally. I I agree with you, Ryan, that there is an inner monologue there, inner dialogue there. I think the inner dialogue is more. Okay, this is the end of me being committed to this family, and I'm going to go be committed to my life of crime family. And I think that's the that's why that scene's there. I think that it's him saying, okay, you can ask me one question. The audience expecting, okay, he's chosen her over this life of crime because now after this whole movie that he's been denying her this, he's now going to give her what she wants and commit himself to her. He then lies, subverting that expectation, and then literally shuts her out of his life by closing that door on her. So mm-hmm. I think I think that, that at that point when he hesitates – I think that's that switch to a hundred. I mean, and, and even admittedly, I think a little bit in the baptism scene, he was at a hundred anyway. But it was just like you know him slowly filling up to a hundred at that point, and then him shutting off his wife and going behind that door is him saying, "I no longer really care about my family. Family, I care more about the mafia. I'm in this." That's a different thought process than what I had. Because yeah. I wasn't seeing it as that scene being the tap out, which I like. So it's the thought process of that inner monologue is like the last inkling of who he was at the start of the movie. Like the very yeah. last part of his personality that was at the start of the movie died as soon as he said no. This is, this I is, like that. This is I why like we, that. This is why we have Devin here. And then that door to make closing. Us both look like shit. And then that door closing. <laughs> what? I missed that. To make us both look like shit. Maybe. Yeah, well, there, there we go. So, but still, I like that because then when the door closes, and this is how my mind works, I'm thinking of like the old school, like Windows 95 loading bar, where it has like the little files floating from like one thing to the computer, and like it dings at the end when it hits 100. That door closing's the ding. Like, Godfather file downloaded, door closes, ding. Like, <laughs> that's a different way to look at it. <laughs> I like it. Oh shit! And for anybody listening who doesn't know what what Windows ninety five is, I'm sorry, because <laughs> we are at that I'm point. Actually, not sorry. Un- un- that's okay. Unfortunately, we are at that point. This is 2018. Just, so just go to just Google Windows ninety five Matthew Perry, and you'll be fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so what are, you, what are you guys' favorite scenes in this movie? Devin? Oh, man. So my favorite scene, I think I told you, I think my favorite scene is the hospital scene. I mean, there's. Okay. I'm split now, now that I say it out loud. I love the hospital scene because it's that dichotomy. He's still half in, half out, but he's slowly being pushed towards the life of crime. Also, I just really love the baptism scene, but I know that's a really cliche answer. (laughs) That's going to be my answer. I don't care if it's cliche or not, but that's my favorite scene. Uh, Just the way it was cut together. um, Because one of the things I noticed in this movie is like everything's still and a lot of the there's not much camera movement. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of long takes, especially towards the beginning. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. just like. Cars pulling up to a house from a distance, and then you see somebody get out. It's a lot of that. And then that scene, it's cutting back and forth pretty quickly. Like, it's not drawn out. It's just like baptism, murder, baptism, murder, baptism, murder. And it just keeps going. Um, And it really, like, in the music there, it just really draws you in. So that's I really like that scene. Well, it's like what you said. It's one of the few times where there is music and there yeah. is a lot of dramatic music. It has like a score. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what do you think? What's Mine your favorite? is actually, and this all has to go around uh, Michael, is I love the scene where they show him directing family business for the first time, where they keep on going to um, uh, his dad and going, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And then, uh, And he keeps on saying... Michael has, you know, I have full faith in Michael, listen to him. And he tells Tom that he's going to Las Vegas. Because that is when you see 
Michael go from like the innocent son that doesn't want to be bothered by family business to having that like true swagger that he had at the end, like the whole head down, eyes up thing that De Niro does where he just kind of like sits there and his head's kind of down and his eyes are up and he just, he, he has that thin V shaped face that just is like piercing. That's like the first time it shows in the film. And yeah. to me, that's striking for the character. And I feel that his ability to go from looking innocent to that is just that. I love that scene. Now, I have a question mm-hmm. for you guys. Okay. Because of how popular this movie is and how many spoofs have been done. Okay. Okay. Now, I know this is the first time you've seen it. So if you have to think a little bit for it, that's fine. Okay. I can go to Devin first. What is the one scene in this movie that y- that has just been ruined for you just a little bit because of the spoofs. I honestly just the only one I can really think of is the um, the opening scene. Like you come to me on the <laughs> day of my daughter's wedding, the planet Krypton. Um, yeah. There's there's my Brando. It, it came I think I think it's just that like the, the yeah. whole you, you've come to me like the whole idea of the daughter's wedding and yeah. like that like I I can't really think of I maybe just the the head of the like the Godfather himself like the Simpsons you have Fat Tony yeah like just that okay like they did a whole thing where like at one point Fat Tony dies mm-hmm. and then his cousin comes in who's also like fat anthony yeah or no like skinny anthony and then he yeah. just becomes fat tony like he like over like just being in springfield turns him into fat tony yeah so it's just the same character but it's a different character mm-hmm. um i think i think that okay um yeah okay. devin devin uh for me it's the tolbo scene with sunny um completely ruined i think family guy does a spoof of it where it takes him like an hour to die or something like that. Like, and they just shoot him like almost consistently. And now I can't watch that scene again. Cause that's all I think about is like, yeah, he's really taking a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Devin, I do have one question for you since you're the only one here that yeah. has read the book. How much of the mm-hmm. book is this movie? Like it, does the book go into part two or is the book just this movie? The book is mostly just this movie. There's a lot of, I mean, it's like any book adaptation where like, um, where like they, they like leave out some subplots and stuff that like are kind of silly and they don't really even need. Um, the one thing, the weird thing about it is they actually ended up buying the rights to the movie before the book was done being written. Yeah. Uh, Mario Puzo wrote a six page transcript called Mafia and they bought that with another like option for more money if they finished it and then mario helped write the screenplay for it so there were, like i said there were a couple of silly side plots like the whole like sunny thing when he's like cheating on his wife is way overblown and way ridiculous in the book and they come up with these like weird reasons why it happened that like make no real sense in the book but like yeah for the most part it's it's pretty pretty close okay yeah so the silly scene for me mm-hmm. that i can't yeah watch is when uh, he is when the original Godfather dies, walking around the potato garden. I mean, the tomato garden mm-hmm. with the fake teeth in his mouth, is or like f- the lemon, the, the orange, yeah, or the orange thing. See, I saw the orange thing, and all I could think of was Lost. There were, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was in, but I think it was in one of the like like scary movie things that the Wayan Brothers did. Okay, where there was a scene where they copied that. And it was just so over the top and so silly that I can't take that. I can't watch that scene without kind of laughing because of just how like, because it's like there are parts in this movie that they made to be super realistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, people, older people die of heart attacks, liver, you know, like just heart attacks, lung failure, whatever. Something happens where people die instantly and they just fall over. Well, these things happen every day. They happen in the supermarket. They happen people, you know, while driving. They happen at family events. They happen in elevators. So it just so happened that he was in the garden with his grandson, who thought he was still playing. Yeah. And the Blu-rays that I bought for Godfather One, 
the menu screen is just the Don laying dead in the potato garden, really? in the tomato garden. And so, like, that. so that opened up, and I just, like, I laughed, and I, I'm like, oh, I feel bad. I wonder, <laughs> like, if the, I wonder if that's one of those menus that has, like, the different options, like, depending on what know. time you put it, what I, time you put it in. Like, I know my Star Wars ones are like that. Like, occasionally, you'll be the... It's the music. It's it's the score of him uh, from when he died. Okay. And it's just the... And it's the pull scene. God, imagine buying the Blu-ray, never having seen The Godfather, and, and just like that being like the a, menu. And just like, because just the thing is, like, it. like, but the thing is, it's pulled back, so it's from the sides. So you can't tell exactly who's laying in the garden if you've never seen it before. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're paying attention and you're not one of these people that just go, "Where's the play?" and hit play, <laughs> and you see that, then you're you're gonna be like, okay person dead in backyard tomato garden this is weird and then you get to that scene where you're like oh so it's kind yeah. of like the dvd's pulling your grandfather he dies <laughs> <laughs> um anything else we want to touch on before we go oh yeah ryan you said you watched a lot of documentaries on this and i yes. read um like buzzfeed seven facts you might not know <laughs> and uh, i want to know if this is true is the horse head real Yes. Yeah, it is. Yes, I, I read that last night too. See, this was before. This, well, see, you got to remember this uh, Hollywood and just what what you know, just what people know who are younger who are watching this, or even people who may be older than us and just don't know. The whole thing about like you know, like no animals were harmed in the filming of this, like that's a newer thing. Like it granted, I'm talking maybe like eighties and nineties, but that's a newer thing. Like for anybody who, whoever watches, you know, these like black and white Western films or, you know, like world war one films and they show the horses falling. Those aren't trained horses. They're, they're tripping on cables. Ooh. Yeah. When those horses fall forward and you know, you know, and you're watching these grand old epic films from like the 50s and 60s and they show these horses flipping, they're tripping on metal cables. Yeah, I have I have a quote from Francis Ford Coppola um on the whole animals right activists uh, being upset thing. There were many people killed in that movie, but everyone worries about the horse. It was it was on the same set when the Wait, hold on. It was the same on set. When the head arrived, it upset many crew members who are animal lovers, who lo- who like little doggies. What they don't know is that, that we got that horse head from a pet food manufacturer who slaughters 200 horses a day just to feed those little doggies. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, we live in this country. We don't eat horse meat here. There are other countries that do there yeah. are other countries where horse meat is as popular as beef it, is here like i can't really like the stuff that goes into like dog food like i i would not feed that to a dog like it's it's disgusting no, never. um like the meat that uh the grocery stores throw out that's what goes into the the like the stuff that goes out of date that's what they get like it's it's horrible like yeah why and, and, and um and and, and that's part of the issue with this is that get it, I'm an animal lover. Like I'll, I'll admit, I love cats. I love dogs. I love animals. I look at a turtle. It's cute. I look at a snake. It's cute. Like I love animals. The thing is, though, we're carnivores. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, I might look at us, you know, like here, me and my wife went to Florida this like two summers ago and we went to Gatorland. Was that we, two years ago already? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. We went to Florida like two years ago. And we went to Gatorland, which is, I think it's south of Disney or, or uh, the Orlando area. You go to Gatorland and there's alligators all over the place. Now, I love animals. I can look at an alligator and go, oh, it's cute because I can see its cuteness, I guess. My mind is just drilled for that. But guess what they also sold there at the food court? Alligator. Alligator. Gator nuggets. Ooh. Deep fried gator meat. And you know what? know what? It was delicious. And then after eating the gator meat, I went out and I looked at the little... You know, two-year-old alligators. And, oh, look, they're so cute. After just eating, probably like their relative. I, we are I, meat eaters. Oh. Now, if you want to be vegetarian, that's fine. But I love animals. Now, granted, there are certain animals I will never eat, purposefully. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, it's just, it's, this is the way things go. Now, do I feel like, you know, horses should be tripped by cable wire to cause an effect? No, we have that technology. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we, we have that tech now, but at the same time, it'd be no different than having, instead of a horse head in the bed for like, you know, normal or, you know, be like, okay, so fine. What if they wanted to do that, but with a cow? And they went to a slaughterhouse for, you know, and they got the head of a cow for that scene. Like, to me, there's no difference there. I mean, yeah, it's upsetting, but see, the thing, gonna die anyway. The thing with society is people will turn their head to something that they don't want to, they, they don't need to think about. But well, yeah. as soon as you show it to them, they'll get up in a, yeah. up in a rage. Like, yeah. oh, how dare you show me this cow's head? Like, you killed that cow as they, they and they're all upset while they're eating a cheeseburger. Or a nice steak. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it, it's it's, it's yeah. one of those things. It's where, hypocrisy. Well, not just that. We've also been the majority of our society now lives in urban centers instead of living on the farm, where you yeah. learn these life lessons. Where guess what? When you're ten years old, you've already beheaded probably a handful of chickens. So I mean, y- you've got that thing now where you where you have a majority of society growing up where they don't have to like shoot their rabbit dog in the backyard or they don't have to, you know, um, like actually like slaughter the deer or cow or whatever they're going to be eating. So they don't have that connection between, you know, this is food compared to, you know, mittens and, you know, mittens and spike that sleep with you in your bed at night are different than the animals outside that we eat because we choose to make that difference. Yeah. Like, people yeah. need to understand that. Like, I'm sorry. I like pork. Do I find pigs cute? And do I find pigs cute? Yes. Do I like bacon? Yes. <laughs> Will I name a pet pig bacon and then eat bacon for breakfast? Not the pet pig, but the bacon from I got at the grocery store? Yes. For the listeners at home, Ryan just went cross-eyed saying that last part. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, real quick before we wrap this up, there was another bit of trivia that I thought was interesting. Um, according to the author and writer of the screenplay, Mario Puzo, the character of Johnny Fontaine was not based on Frank Sinatra. However, it was widely as, um, assumed that it was, and Sinatra was pissed. Um, when he met he met Puzo at a restaurant, he screamed vulgar terms and threats at Puzo. Sinatra was also uh, opposed to the film, Due to the backlash, Fontaine's role in the film was scaled down to a couple of scenes. So thanks, Sinatra, for helping them cut out that weird subplot. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, my hero. One thing that I liked about this movie, though, I'm sorry, because I know we keep on trying no, to end okay. this and things keep on getting brought up. We're I already loved, over an hour, so fuck it. I loved the racial stuff in this. Because here's the thing. Italians nowadays are just lumped into like the Caucasian like group. Yeah. But mm. and this is something that I think we touched when we did on uh, when we did the movie 42. Yeah. The Jackie Robinson story. How there is that scene that was really hard to watch with the Phillies manager yelling all of the um, obscenities from the dugout. Yeah. And then later on in the film and then. And then, of course, what actually happened was that that manager goes on a rant about how, you know, we call this guy a wop and we call this guy a greaseball and we call this guy a this because, you know, Italian and German and this and that. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to write, you know, calling this guy a term that they use to keep slaves down because they call a white guy who doesn't have to deal with that type of like... um you know, uh, uh, adversity, you know, a silly word that people like to yell each other when they're mad. And mm-hmm. I liked how they showed that difference because like that white cop, and I want to say white cop because he was probably either like a British or Norwegian or German descent, what, you know, called Mike, you know, you know, you know, slang terms <laughs> for, you know, uh, um, Italians at the, 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 the time. And then Sonny even tells the one guy, no, it wasn't Sonny. It was um, Tom when he goes to Hollywood, mm-hmm. and and he talks to the uh, uh, big shot in Hollywood, and the big shot calls him a bunch of you know nasty names for, 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 for Italians. But then he goes, "I'm German and uh, I'm I'm German and like Irish or something." And so he goes, "Fine, you kraut wop." 
you know, he <laughs> he changes the terms because yeah. he's mad. And I feel like the this movie kind of shows something that's kind of lost on the on the conversation we're having today is the fact that like people think some of these words are okay because when you call, you know, somebody who's German today a kraut, like they're just gonna laugh at you because there's no meaning behind it anymore. <coughs> when back then there was. Like yeah. it's just it's just I I love that type of like when they go all into a time period. Yeah. I love that. And and I love the fact that they did that in this. Yeah, and it wasn't as far of a stretch then as it is now. Exactly. Like they're only going back thirty years. Yeah. Now it would be like what? I mean, like back then, like the the people years? writing this movie probably, you know, be like, hey, where's the hey, wh- where's be like, you know, like in 70, you know, in like 71 or 70 f- filming this movie, especially at the party at the beginning, be like, hey, does this make sense? I don't know. Grab the guy who's 60 years old and ask him. Yeah. Ask him if this makes sense for, you know, 1947. Yeah. Or, hey, ask that guy over there who's 40. He's, you know, he's a vet. He knows this. You can't do mm-hmm. that now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I love peer, older period pieces. Because they actually had people who lived in that time whose memory was still, like, sharp. Yeah. So you could pull Absolutely. through it. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. Yeah, JJ, when, it, when it comes to, like, World War II, J.J. Abrams doesn't know much about, like, he doesn't have that experience. Exactly. So when something like Overlord comes out, like, it's just kind of based on... Overlord's based off Wolfenstein. Can we just get that straight right now? Right. Like Overlord is based on Wolfenstein. Like, yeah. Like, 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 like the fonts the same. Like, just the whole like you know intelligence. You know the whole like you know up. It's Wolfenstein. (laughs) I I I get the feeling it was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie, and then Cloverfield Paradox flopped. Like, you know what? We're not going to connect it to that. We're just going to not do that. I never really thought of it that way. Shoot. I I just assume anything that's produced by Bad Robot that's a standalone thing like that is going to be connected to Cloverfield in some way. And at <laughs> some point they're like, yes or no? Like, is this going to be Cloverfield? Yes or and they no? Just decide, yes, no, no, yeah. no, we don't. Like, like, J.J. Abrams has a stamp on his desk that when he watches something, he just stamps it like, Cloverfield, this is it now. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Good. But, Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm done. All right. Uh, that's about all I've got. Devin, anything else before we go? Okay. Uh, I think we're starting to lose your connection a little bit, too. So. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, nope, there we go. We're, you're back. Um, okay. So that's it for The Godfather. Um, we're going to um, we're gonna be back next week with another classic, um, and a film that Devin hasn't seen. That we were going to do for me having having not seen either. So Ryan's the only one who's seen this movie. Um, a little horror film called The Shining. Um, one of my favorite horror films of all time. And as a little sneak peek, I've uh, only ever seen the made-for-TV movie. So I'm really excited to see the real one. Yeah, uh, I've only read the book, which leads me to saying... We will also be joined by a special guest next week. Um, And that's all I'm going to say about that because I want it to be a surprise. And so this week was Devin joining the show. And next week we have an, I have another surprise that has to do with podcasts. So uh, stay tuned for that next week. Um, For you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.